The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, we're in. Wait, we're starting? Let's go. Oh, geez. All right. Episode one, The Border Podcast with Scotty Conley. I'm Scotty, a.k.a. The Body, and we're here. First episode. Uh, we have no clue what's going to happen. Um, all we know is that we had this opportunity put in front of us, and we are really doing nothing right now because there are no events. We're all under quarantine. We're all dealing with COVID-19, and we're all trying to figure out a way just to stay relevant, stay heard. And shoot, everyone's doing a podcast. Why not us? So here you go. This is what you get. Um, we're going to have guests. We're going to have interviews. We're going to talk about skateboarding, maybe a little bit of pro wrestling, maybe a little bit of Tampa history. Uh, topics are wide open. Guests are wide open. Who knows what we're going to do? But the first episode is going to be all about yours truly, Scotty Conley, my story, how I ended up here, how I... Got here from being born in Vermont, ended up here in Tampa skateboarding, and so I'm going to pass the reins to my good friend and professional colleague, Rob Marinek, and he's going to get this thing kicked off with an episode of The Border Podcast, starring Scotty Conley, and right now guest Scotty Conley. So here we go, Rob. Take it away. All right, Scotty. So uh, just freestyling here, the first thing I want to get to the bottom of is this name, the body? <laughs> what are you, a Chippendales dancer? Uh, no, not a Chippendales dancer. I have ended up in my underwear dancing for girls at a strip club before, but not professionally. Um, basically, what happened was when I was a kid, I was a huge wrestling fan, and there was this wrestler who is now a famous politician, Jesse the Body Ventura. And oh. so he was the original of the body. And actually in the 80s, there was actually a wrestler named Scotty the Body. He later became Raven. And if you're a wrestling fan, you know who Raven is. And you know that he got the start as Scotty the Body, then Johnny Polo, blah, blah, blah. You know the deal if you're into wrestling. I am. I'll be making wrestling allusions and uh, pop culture references throughout this whole thing. So get used to it. Um, but yeah, Jesse the Body Ventura. I was a fan. Scotty rhymes with body. It flowed. I was always a tad on the plus size. So, you know, it was just my body. And when I was in high school skating, uh, some some kids at the skate park of Tampa started calling me Big Body Scotty. And it was Big Body Scotty. It was F.A. Scotty for Fat Ass Scotty. It was just Fat Scott, like Big Boy, like any like. All the, all the nicknames we got for Jamie Foy, I, I used like 15 to 20 years ago. Um, so yeah, it was just the body and it became the body and people started calling me the body and Scotty the body took off and uh, I'm not a fan of people like saying, hello, this is like, if you've never met me and somebody's introducing us and they're like, hey, this is the body. I'm like, not into that. <laughs> like, my name is Scotty. Please introduce me as Scotty. I will never introduce myself to someone as the body. That's for other people to do. But as you get to know me, you will end up calling me body or the body or yeah. a slew of other nicknames created by multiple friends 
over a long history of skateboarding. It's funny. Forever, we used to call uh, Jamie Foy baby body. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Jamie Foy, a prime example of the big boys doing it big, man. Like yeah. He was a little little fat kid at the All Ages contest, and he was ripping. And I was the announcer of all the All Ages skateboarding contests at Skate Park of Tampa for probably from like 1999 to maybe like 2013, maybe, 2012, 11, maybe. So I saw a whole slew of little kids uh, rip, grow up, become pro. I'm going to do an entire episode in the future dedicated to strictly the Skate Park of Tampa All Ages Contests of the late 90s and early 2000s. And we're going to really dig some skeletons out of the closet for that one. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's a good segue into going back to the beginning. Late 90s, when you're kind of already working a little bit at the park, your first exposure to like skateboarding in a community setting was the early days of the skate park in what, like mid-90s? Um, well, my first memories of seeing skateboarding... Uh, was probably like skate TV on Nickelodeon, but okay. I, I wasn't even old enough to like comprehend what I was watching yet. Like I was a little kid watching cartoons, and then all of a sudden this like show comes on with skaters, ah. and I didn't really know what yeah. I was looking at at the point at that time. Yeah. And as I got older, you would see like little snippets of skating on like MTV and stuff. They would do little things, and then mm -hmm. like, and then what really kind of like sold me was the uh, honestly the first time I saw X Games. I saw all of that, and I thought it was all the most badass shit um wow. awesome i was a fan of all of it i watched all of it rollerblading yeah sky surfing the the super downhill like luge that they did on this like skateboard luge like I, I, the speed mountain like like they did so many events that didn't quite make it like didn't get popular enough that yeah. were there for like the first three years that were just like super raw and like kind of cool but just like didn't catch on just due to the like skydiving is expensive, man. Like, yeah, yeah. like I'm sure that like to to operate a skydive sky surfing contest was like looking back. Yeah. That, like now with a 36 year old brain, I just look at like, oh, how much how much would, would yeah. that cost? And a person? it's just like not accessible to anyone. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like so that. that never took off, and then like the speed mountain climbing like never fully. I'm I mean I think Red Bull still does some of those events, but like mm -hmm. it never really got famous. And then like I mean skateboarding is just shined brighter than everything else. It was like, yeah. I felt it was like a little bit more relatable and like, yeah. I felt just a little more connection to like the dudes I saw on TV skateboarding as opposed to the dudes that were doing yeah. everything else. And so, yeah, like uh, a couple kids in my neighborhood got skateboards around the same time because mm -hmm. we all saw X Games and we all yeah. collectively met up at the, at our tree fort and was just like, holy shit, we have to get skateboards. Like, wow. let's go. And slowly, awesome. we all went to the Cove in Brandon, Florida, uh, old skate shop that Andrew Reynolds used to ride for. Um, he had a part in one of the first skate videos I ever saw was the Cove skateboard, Cove skateboards shop video, Adventures in High Eight, and uh, Andrew Reynolds had like a part in there. And yeah, like the Cove, like that was it was a skateboard and surf shop, which was weird being in like you know, 50 miles inland, like town, Brandon, yeah. Brandon, Florida, there's like a surf shop. Okay. Uh, but it was also skateboarding. And I also rented uh, video games from there because they had video wow. game rentals for $3 for an, a week. It's three bucks a week. And Blockbuster was like four bucks for an, a night or two nights. 
So they had like skate video rental and video game rental. Wow. And so I would like do, I would go in there to like get skate goods and then rent like three games. And then, and then like I was set like, but yeah, the cove, that's where I got my first board for my birthday when I was in seventh grade. Uh, okay. So that's when like the actual, like all the years of seeing everything and getting psyched and like figuring out what skateboarding is, it all culminated April 4th, seventh grade. Dad took me to the wow. cove, got me the, the cheapest Powell complete they had. Mm for like a hundred bucks with like tracker B-52s, slime ball wheels, uh, just like the probably quickies bearings or mini logos or whatever. Yeah. And then just like this Powell board with a drawing of a Black Panther on it. It was pretty tight. Wow. So from there, X Games, Skate Master Tape type of stuff, skate shop culture, you eventually started and go found out about Skate Park in Tampa. And I, I was clueless to Skate Park in Tampa for a long time. Like the first probably two or three years, I didn't even know like skateboarding really was like out existed outside of my neighborhood. Like, I mean, I knew obviously there was a skate shop, so other people were doing it, but like I didn't see anybody doing it. So, skateboarding for me for like the first couple of years was just like right, like pushing to my friend's house to hang out, ah. and then like trying to make it over this one like three inch grass gap that was in my neighborhood, <laughs> and I could never figure out how to do it and. Pretty much we were just pushing around the neighborhood and trying to build ramps just because of what we saw, what a ramp was. And then all of our dads would try to build us ramps, but they don't know how to like cut a transition or like make anything. So it was like a jump ramp that was like a, a foot long. That was more like, that would be like a Wally block by today's standards. But <laughs> my dad built it and was like, yeah, jump off this. Like, yeah, grab your bike and do it too. Like. Nice. Just shit like that. And then just like, I mean, I, like if uh, somebody hadn't told me that Skate Park of Tampa existed and that was someplace I could go to skateboard, I don't know how much longer I would have made it past the pushing around yeah. on flat in my neighborhood. Because like it would have just been uh, like, it would have been like a bicycle. There wasn't the true like hooks in yet where it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I knew what I was, I knew what I was seeing on TV, but I yeah. couldn't make it happen where I was. Yeah. Because I didn't know anything. Like I was 12, 13, there was no internet yet. Like, yeah, yeah. like I didn't, I didn't know, like I didn't know to like get a thrasher. Like I didn't know anything except like, oh, the skateboard's really cool. Yeah. And, um, uh, like one day I was just like pushing around to my friend's house and I'm just like, geez, how many, how much longer am I pushing? Like the bike is faster. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then one of the older kids in the neighborhood was just like, yo, you guys should go to the spot. I'm like, what the hell is the spot? <laughs> They're like, it's a skate park. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I didn't. And then somebody gave me the address. And I was like, Dad, you have to take me to this address. They built all the stuff for you already. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, like, you have to take me to this address, like, this weekend, right now. Like, and he's like, what What do you mean? Like, and he looked at the address and he's like, that's in the middle of the goddamn hood. Man, man. Like, I'm not taking you there. <laughs> Like, because I tried to get him to drop me off at, like, Fowler Ditch one time. And he was just like, what? Like, I'm going to drop you off at a ditch on the side of the road and leave? No, what? Like, and then yeah. when I was like, and then one time I was like, no, don't worry. I got a homie. And he's going to drive us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then that didn't work. He's like, wait, wait, wait. So you got a homie that I've never met that has a car. You're 14. You got a friend with a car? And he's going to drive you to a ditch where you guys are going to skate. Get the fuck out of here. No, no. <laughs> Get in the house. <laughs> like, and uh, 
like I had to work on them for a bit like please 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 and then I had to get a friend from school to like come over and hang out and skate with me and like vouch that like this place actually existed and it was like you know I wasn't gonna die cause like even before yeah. I ever gone when I found out the skate park was there I started asking other people I would see about it and I would just all I would hear was gnarly stories about how like if, if like you got in somebody's way they'd clothesline you or like uh, like people just get beat up there, like people rolling from the hood and like, you know, try to start shit. And yeah. like, uh, and then when I first started going there, I figured out that all the stories were kind of true. Like, <laughs> it was a crazy time. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, there was this one time, I'll never forget it. Todd Webb, if you're out there, <laughs> we're friends now, but he scared the shit out of me. There was like a crew of like three dudes. It was Todd Webb, this other dude, Fat Donnie, the fat guys again. If, if, <laughs> if you're overweight, you're automatically fat at the skate park. So Todd Webb, Fat Donnie, and then Steve Samba. They were like the crew of like old Hessian, like gnarly, tattooed, ugly skaters that did long Smith grinds and like old back then being like 21. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Old, An old back skater then. back then was probably 25. Yeah ancient to me yeah um and one time i dropped in i dropped in on the quarter pipe to hit the pyramid and todd webb comes full blast down the kahuna i immediately veer to the right jump off my board and run out of the building because i was get, trying to give him the respect and give him the the, the ramp because that's because i would just watch these guys most of the time when these dudes would show up i would sit down and watch and see what they were doing so I could see like what their kind of lines were so I would not get in their way because I was genuinely scared of these guys. Yeah. And then one time I did that to Todd Webb and, and he he veered so I could have the ramp, which blew my mind. But I veered so he could have the ramp, which I thought I was doing the right thing. 30 minutes later, I see him again on top of a, a kahuna and he just comes up to me and goes, hey kid, I gave you the ramp. Take it next time or I'm just going to hit you out of this place or like something like that. He was like, wow. hey, he's like, when I give you the ramp, you fucking take it. Like, don't do that shit. Like, like next wow. time, next time I'm not giving you the ramp, I'm taking you out. And I'm just like, I'm never skating here if you're skating. Wow, man. And then uh, yeah. Steve Samba was a real dick to me a couple times, <laughs> which came full circle when he met a girl in Ebor and started dating her and she brought him home and it was my sister. <laughs> oh man. She's like, hey, I met a guy in Ebor that skates. He's gonna come over for dinner. And I'm like, all right, cool. Skaters, tight. Steve Samba walks in and I was like, oh shit. And, he, and I could tell he was just like, oh shit. Cause he knew he was a dick to me too. And he had to fucking apologize to me. Like my sister made him apologize to me. Wow. <laughs> So he was just like, hey, man, I, I was really bummed that day that I fucked with you. Like, I was I was just pissed about some other shit, man. And like, it's all good, dude. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll look after you at the park. Like, I got your back. <laughs> so after that, I was like, all right. Like, these older dudes kind of got my kind of got my back a little bit now. Like, yeah. And yeah, like, I just really like and then just felt welcomed by the whole plate. Like after like you proved yourself, like mm -hmm. after you like, they're like, all right, this kid's been here for like six months now. Like we'll, we'll, we'll fuck, we'll be nice to him now. Like yeah. he's, he ain't the newbie anymore. Like, okay, he skates. 
And a week after the first time I went to Skate Park in Tampa, the first time I went to Skate Park in Tampa, there was a flyer for an all-ages contest. And I was like, oh, there's competitions? Oh, I'm in. I like because I, I grew up playing sports. I always liked sports. Oh, okay. I was always a fan of sports. I was always a fan of competition. Always a mm-hmm. fan of like proving yourself in whatever activity you were doing. Like grew up like playing like I grew up in competitive tennis, and it's mm-hmm. ultra competitive in Florida in the young scene, and it's super cutthroat. Parents are like fighting at tennis tournaments. Like it's gnarly, and that's what I grew up in, and. As soon as I saw that they were skateboard contests, I was like, oh, shit, hell yeah. Like, like I can skate here and, and like, have the whole place to myself for, for two minutes? Like, hell yeah. So I've been to the skate park three times to skate before I skated in my first contest. I sucked. I thought acid drops were, like, a real trick. So I was just, like, jumping off of shit and trying to land it. Just like Indy grabbing off a fucking big banister at the skate park, just trying to land on flat. And then I tried to like, I think I saw somebody do a backside boneless on the quarter pipe. So I was like trying to emulate a backside boneless, but I was like two feet below the coping and I just kind of like shot my board up into my hand (laughs) and like maybe did like a a finger flip (laughs) and try to land on it again and just ate shit. I was eating shit the whole way. Had knee pads on, but the knee pads were, like, down to my fucking ankles. Like, how they did it in the 80s to, like, not shin get your shit. Yeah, yeah, shin guards. But, like, I was trying to have knee pads. Because the first time, my dad made me wear, like, full pads. Helmet, elbow, knee pads. Then I was just like, hey, dad, I don't... I just need the knee pads. And he's like, what? I'm like, I, when I fall, I just hit my knees. So I need the knee pads. Like, I don't need the helmet. I don't need the elbow pads. And he's like, all right. So my first contest, I'm skating elbow pads. I think I get second to last place. But Schaefer's on the mic, and he's like, whoa, look at that backside boneless. Like, the best one I've seen. Like, I still have this contest run on VHS tape at my house. It's wow. amazing. Like, I think Josh Stewart might have been judging the contest. Um, I'll have to look at the footage. But, uh, yeah, Schaefer's announcing completely, like, graciously put me over. Just like, oh, look wow. at this guy. Like, <laughs> Like, I, I was terrible. It was terrible, but he was just like, this guy's awesome. Like, yeah, boneless. Like, yeah, doing some acid out there. Like, you know how Schaefer does. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and it was, it was awesome. And I, and they, like, that first experience, I was hooked. Like, they, they wow. completely made me feel like I was a part of it, put me on a fucking pedestal. Like, they're like, you're fucking rad. Like, cool. Like they didn't Damn, like. That's sick. Like I got second to last yeah. place, but they did not give a shit. Yeah. They were just like, "You're a pretty fucking cool kid." Like, all right, cool. Damn, like you're with awesome. us, which is exactly the kind of experience we're trying to do today with our exactly with all our content. exactly you know, exactly. You're a yes. beginner or you're a top pro. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, man, that's awesome to hear. And after that, I was just like, "Contest, that's my shit." And then there was a flyer for the next contest, and I was like, "All right, Dad, next contest is August 29th or whatever date it was." Like. It's, it's the middle of June. I need to fucking practice. Like, I got second to last. I don't yeah. want to do that again. And, and then my older sister, you know, obviously was like, oh, I'll take you to the skate park. I like, like, cause, uh, dude, <laughs> she had the biggest crush on Alan Russell. <laughs> oh, man. And it's yeah. something that has been discussed nice. and, and debated between the, all three of us because Alan Russell is now one of my greatest friends. And, mm-hmm. My sister is awesome. Uh, 
but there was like this weird like my sister was trying to come to the skate park to meet skaters all the skaters later I found out that all the skaters kind of got together like the older skaters got together and, and somebody put the hammer down and was like hey like none of us are doing this like I didn't know that happened until like maybe a year ago Big Al told me that like he was just like hey like nobody mess with her like she's bringing her little brother to the park like let's party with her but like that's it like I didn't even know that and and it really like made me even feel more awesome just to know that those dudes were like doing that behind the scenes like when I was that young because like dude people aren't like that yeah yeah (laughs) people aren't like that like (laughs) but uh that was rad um at the skate park, the big dudes like Ed Salego was just first start first starting to like kind of be on the scene. Yep. Uh, Jeff Lino- Jeff Linosi was first like starting to be on the scene, so I would see those dudes skating in the skate park like Friday night session. It was just like Ed, Allen, Jeff Linosi, like the OG Tampa heads, like yeah. Chris Williams, Paul Urich, like Alyssa Steamer, and uh, and Alyssa and not as much, cause, but a little bit later, yeah, like I would see her around because she was crew with everybody, like yeah. But, like, Milligan would come up and, like, mm-hmm. like met all those dudes super early on. Like, the, the Friday night, like, vert sessions with Mike Frazier, yeah, uh, Paul Zitzer, good. Brian Howard. Like, I would just, like, sit down. Because, like, growing up, I thought vert was the raddest because it's, like, it's, like, the same shit we keep talking about. Like, vert is the most relatable form of skateboarding. Like, you, can, mm-hmm. you can't understand what's going on on a ledge when somebody's skating a switch, like, the common person. But, like... 10 feet of air is 10 feet of air no matter who you are you can see that and be like wow that is rad so that's what I wanted to do is skate vert uh, so I watched those dudes skate all the time I was just scared to drop in so I found the next best thing which was the bowl in the back mm-hmm. little to find out like every single part of that skate park had its own scene oh yeah like there was the bowl skater scene the vert skater scene the street skater scene the shop chiller scene and then, yeah. like, the dude's in the back of the parking lot smoking weed and getting drunk. Yeah. Like, there's, like, like five... Like a mini, mini high school. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was, like, so many different cliques, but mm-hmm. there weren't that many people. So, like, the cliques were small, but yeah. everybody was the same clique. Everybody was yeah. the same crew. Like, we were all there at the skate park, but it was, like, just, like, super clicked up. And But everybody still had each other's back, but it was just, like, yo, these dudes are, like, I'm going to go hang out with these dudes and watch these guys skate vert. Then I'm going to go hang out with Kevin Koss and skate the bull and Tully mm-hmm. and... Like, Tully's the dude who grabbed my board and told me my trucks were too tight. That I, like, if you don't know who Tully Carlton is, uh, he had a Wheels of Fortune in maybe like 411, like one of the first like five episodes of 411. He had a Wheels of Fortune. And it's all from Skate Park of Tampa and the Bro Bowl. And he's like thrashing the Bro Bowl. He rode for Zorlak. And he was like one of my heroes growing up because he skated the bowl the gnarliest. And that's what I was feeling the most at the time. Like, Besides Vert, which I couldn't do. So the bowl was the gnarliest. Tully and Kevin Koss ran the bowl. And I tried to skate with those dudes so hard. And I couldn't figure out how to pump around the corners. And one day I jump out of the bowl. Because I was pushing in the bowl, which I didn't even know was a cardinal sin. <laughs> I'm just trying to get fast enough to make it around the corner. And Tully just comes and grabs my board out from under my feet one time. And just like plays with my trucks. And he's like, yo take your board to the shop right now and turn your trucks like like two full turns to the left loosen them up and like next time buy indies and I was like whoa like okay so I uh go loosen the trucks and I make it around the corner and they're like alright don't ever fucking push in the bowl again and I'm just like 
okay, like, and these dudes were gnarly, man. And like, skated every, every Friday night they were there. Every Friday night I was there because my mom would like, as soon as I got home from school, like I was like, when can we go to the skate park? When can we go to the skate park? When can we go to the skate park? And it was like 40, it was like 30 minutes away. So my mom was like, mom's putting in two hours in the car, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like sometimes like straight up like soccer mom status. Like yeah. she was taking me to the skate park whenever. So happy when I got a car. <laughs> Man, that is, it's awesome to hear your um, early experiences of getting passed along the unwritten rules of skateboarding and, and things like that. Yeah, like, I feel like that's kind of missing. I feel like that's kind of missing from today's skateboarding. Like everybody's what? trying to be too nice to each other, and like every like yeah, it got fine. It, it got it got real refined when. It's obviously like when things get more accepted and more mainstream, it gets more yeah, refined. Yeah. So it took a little bit of the rawness out of away. it because you yeah. actually now have moms that are showing up with a full van of kids on a Saturday morning to the skate park, yeah. and that mom is hanging out. For yeah, that puts seven a hours, barrier towards and that mom is going to be in the shop telling kids. you every single yeah. thing that's going on. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I remember when I was working at the skate park, and a dad comes in and just like, hey, like super respectful, like didn't want to make a big deal out of it. He's like, hey, can I talk to you on the side for a second? And I, he pulled me aside and he's just like, hey, listen, I don't want to cause a big deal. I don't want to, like this. I feel like you guys do a great job. You guys, this is a great place. But there's three kids under the vert ramp smoking weed right now. And it, 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 I, I can smell it in the whole place. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. So yeah. Like, it was before I even started smoking weed, and I had to go, like, ban these kids for smoking weed. <laughs> At the time, I thought I was a real badass, because I, like, solved the caper and, like, did some, like, good shit for Ryan and Brian. Like, yo, I caught some kids smoking weed, and I banned them. Like, hell yeah. And then, like, ten years later, the kid comes up to me. He's like, hey, you think I could come back to the skate park? And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. He's like, you banned me for smoking weed under the vert ramp. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't even really remember, but... Uh, okay I was like what's your name kid told me his name and I went into his file because he was there for like it was when they started doing punk rock shows at the skate park oh yeah he, he like hit me up and was like hey my band is performing at the skate park but I'm banned from the skate park like <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like alright yeah you're you're back like you, you did your time wow and at the time I was high 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 not at work but yeah. I was way more accepting to the weed culture because I was involved in it yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting on the, the culture getting passed along. Like, there's just not that many avenues, I think, these days also for it to go from the previous generation to the next because there's less skate shops. There's less private businesses that are a skate park, like Skate Park of Tampa. Skate parks are public now. It's like a basketball court. You go, you yeah. skate your own thing. It's like a lot. I don't know. It seems like it's it's a little bit harder to assimilate into those mini clicks that that, ha- that existed at skate park of Tampa. That can't happen in a like wide yeah. open public skate park that's not. And it's it's so much easier to leave a public yeah, skate park. Yeah, and you're just like, like I would get dropped off. One. I would yeah. I would get dropped off at skate park of Tampa that's at good. ten o'clock a.m. on and a Saturday you're morning. There and my mom would pick me up at ten p.m. eleven p.m. I was there for 12 hours. I had no choice but to click oh, up. Yeah. Like, that's what it was. Like, yeah. these were your boys now. Yeah. Like, and they're, they're the people you saw the most. Yeah. And that was the, that was the culture, man. Like, that 25-year-old man, like, probably hated me when I was 14. But, like, all of a sudden, he's 30 and I'm 19. Yeah. 
and since he's taught me so much, I figured it out, and it's it's all good now. Like, yeah. Wow. So there's and and there's no enforcers anymore. Nobody's there to enforce. Like, there's no like, like in '99, if I got clotheslined by a dude at the skate park, no one's doing shit. But like in this day and age, if you're at a public skate park and a 26 year old dude clotheslines a 14 year old kid for getting in the way, it's gonna be like a thing. It's gonna be a thing. Back then, it was like a dirty warehouse in Ebor that nobody was going to go to anyway. Like, you call the cops there, and they're not going to, like, like, what? Yeah. What? Like, you want us to come for what? Like, your skate park? There's a kid in a fight? No. See you later. Man, there's a special time. There's there's a little bit of rawness like that. Yeah. Overall, it was, uh, it was, it was an, it was an awesome and accepting community, and, uh. Yeah, it would, it's it's cool that. Um, oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. You get, definitely got shit talked to. Yeah, you got yeah, hated on. Sure. You got made yeah. fun of. But like, yeah. it was from it was like from a good it was from it was all from a good, a good place. place. Yeah. It was all from people that were like, like trying to like make sure make sure you could handle it, make sure you could you could fit because that's like what the the culture of skateboarding is talking shit like the like yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. Like, and if you couldn't talk shit, if you couldn't like. If you couldn't get made fun of and think of something to say back, like you weren't going to last very long at that place. Yeah. Like you kind of had to fucking you had to. Yeah. You had to stand your ground and stand your ground, or, or you're just going to get run over. Like. Yeah. So what was? Uh, how did it transition into your first job there? Um. Well. I think it started with Warp Tour actually. Uh, okay. Once again, older sister. Punk rock fan, skateboarding fan, Warp Tour was the perfect combination. And another thing that was super raw in the '90s, and as it got more and more popular, it got more and more watered down. And yeah. I love Steve Van Doren for it. Like Warp Tour was amazing. Had a, I went there every year for maybe like from the time from the time I was 14 to the time I was maybe like almost 30. I was at Warp Tour every yeah. year, and it was amazing. I saw like I saw Eminem at Warp Tour. I saw Body Count. I saw Body Count at Warp Tour. Like yeah. I saw Cool Keith at Warped Tour. Like I saw like Andrew WK. Like so many like huge acts like that were I was a huge fan of at the time. Um, I think the only thing missing was the one time Beastie Boys were scheduled, but because Beastie Boys were canceled, we got Eminem, and that was like right when right when the Slim Shady LP came out. Like right when he was starting to get famous, I saw Eminem at Warped Tour, and it was kind of crazy. Wow, like. Yeah, we got kicked out of there multiple years in a row, I remember. Oh, Warped Tour was some of the best times. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what what had, what had happened was I would just go there to hang out with my sister and see the bands. But Skate Park of Tampa would always run like the skateboarding contest that they would have in conjunction with the Warped Tour. Like, the, it was a traveling music festival, but it was also like they did skateboarding contests. So all the winners from like the 40 stops or whatever all went to one contest. And the winner of that contest got a uh, one-year Vans professional contract. So uh, I think uh, was it Billy Rohan back? No, then? it might have been Billy. Bill, I think Billy Rohan got one one time. Um, that dude Kaz Helmstetter that rode for Natural Concepts. I remember that name? I definitely remember him being a champion one year. Um, Chris Kendall. 
was a Vans Warped Tour world champion one year, if you guys are from Florida. We'll we'll get to Chris Kendall when we go back to the all-ages contest of the 90s. But Chris Kendall, Jacksonville, Florida, Flatline Skateboards, wow. We'll we'll talk to you guys at some point, maybe, if we can find you. Um, But yeah, man, just hanging out. And then Skate Park of Tampa always had a tent at the Warped Tour. So I I was like, all right, well, this is where I'm going to hang out. I'm going to hang out with these guys. And... They would always have some stupid shit going on, like hitting people with water balloons, water guns. Bullhorn. Bullhorn. Yeah. Um, boxing matches. Boxing matches. I, I boxed people at Warp Tour before, like, oh, with, man. like, with, because Schaefer just would encourage me. He would just encourage me because he thought I was rad from that first contest. So, one time the bullhorn was just unattended and I just picked it up and started talking shit to people. And just comfortable right away. I'm felt real confident with it because all of these people behind me were telling me, "Say whatever you want, we got your back." Like ruin these people. Like, and I was just like, "Wow, damn, damn girl, your boyfriend is ugly. Come over here and hang out with some skateboarders." Like, just like super, like making fun of people, like trying to get girls to take their shirts off, like blah blah blah. Like definitely things we could not do in this day and age. Like. Uh, but yeah, I was just real comfortable just talking shit to people because I saw like growing up seeing like the way Schaefer announced contests and just like my first Tampa Am I went to watch Clyde Singleton was the announcer. The so chief like, of shit talking. Like he would make people cry mid run and just like leave the skate park and never come like like. He, <laughs> Like, my boy John Newport, I love him. But, dude, mid-run, Clyde Singleton says, Damn, John, you look like Alyssa Steamer and Ali Bulala had a child. Like, you are Belissa. Like, and started calling him Belissa for the entire contest. And, dude, it, he wasn't even an ugly dude or anything. Just, like, Clyde just could, could do it and just, like, hit people and, like, really had some, like, just... He was witty too, a lot smarter than people gave him yeah, credit for. Yeah, for sure. Like, definitely had way more like brains than people would give him credit for because he would dumb himself down, just mm-hmm. like for comedy purposes. But like, I love like smart people that can pull off being dumb. Like that, I <laughs> like I love that. Like I like to do that myself. Like I really, when I like to, when I meet people, I try to be dumb so like so I can be underestimated and then blow them away later. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah where were we all ages uh, contest first job at the skate park first job yes okay Warped so Tour. the announcing at the war tour led to an eventual like sidekick gig as an announcer at some of the events at the skate park like all ages contest oh, okay um i got to sit next to schaefer and uh who was the other guy who was it greg carroll Oh yeah, I got to sit. I got to sit next to Schaefer and Greg Carroll, Mike Carroll's brother. For those, Mike Carroll's brother, yes. Um, And I got to just sit on the stage for an entire Tampa Pro. Schaefer paid me. I had a third mic. He's like, every now and then, say something. He was kind of feeling you out. Yeah, just like, hey, like, don't talk over me and Greg. But if you hear some some dead air and you feel like you got something to say, say it. But here, here's a here's a stopwatch. Keep time too. So I was like, 
announce like third announcer slash timekeeper for Tampa Pro. Um, trying to remember who won that year for like age reference. It might have been Carrie Getz year, possibly. Yeah. It might have been earlier than that. But yeah, so that's how it started. And then uh, eventually I got the call from uh, Brian Schaefer say, hey, we're going to start doing skateboarding lessons at the skate park on Saturday morning. And we think you'd be the perfect guy to come in and teach them. I was like 17 at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that was like when I first actually like was on payroll at Skate Park oh, of Tampa. Because okay. I would help out Tampa Am and Tampa Pro. I would help uh, I would help in the food tent. Or I would mm-hmm. show up super early and help with stickers. Or I would stay super late and help clean up. Or I would show up on Monday to help like with yeah. all the cleanup and breakdown. Just anything that needed to be. And then... And then Sometimes they would just pay me in product. Sometimes they would pay me like a little bit of cash. Yeah. Sometimes I would just like, I was the dude that would clean up in between five and five thirty in between sessions so I could skate for free on the second session. So like I was doing all that kind of little stuff cause I just wanted to be a part of it. Like I was like anything I could do to like be a part of what's going on here. Like I didn't care. I picked up trash, put stickers, like didn't give a shit. I did like the nasty stuff that those guys didn't want to do cause there was only f- maybe four or five employees at the time. So, like, everybody was my boss. So, it all flowed to me. Yeah. Yeah, just to be around. Just yeah, and just to be, to be around. around. And then yeah. it was just like, they, and then eventually they were just like, hey, you don't have to pay to skate anymore. And I was like, fuck, yes, all right, man. <laughs> and then it was like, hey, come teach these lessons and we'll pay you. Like, you'll get a paycheck. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I did the lessons and then just started working in the shop and helping out because it was when like the skate park started to blow up and get super like busy with retail and yeah. just with population of skateboarders on a whole. So it was just more than one person in the shop could handle on a Saturday. So I was like backup help on Saturdays, taught the lessons on Saturdays. So I worked one day a week at the skate park for like two years when I was still in high school. Huh. And uh, like senior year, it was like, well, uh, I do all this extracurricular stuff at school. I'm in the marching band. I'm on the tennis team. Like, but I really like skateboarding better than all of it. Like, and I'd rather, I'd rather get paid to hang out at the skate park than go to marching band practice again. So I quit the marching band <laughs> and the band director was like, wait, you're quitting the band because you have a job that you like? And I'm like, yeah. And it, it conflicts with practice and I don't want to be at football games on Friday nights anymore. Because that's what the marching band was. You practice Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Football game on Friday. You march to the halftime show. And then Monday, you start over. Like, just kind of like was off that and was in skateboarding. And I wanted to be in. And I did everything I could to get in. Wow. Awesome. So, yeah. Like, it started in the shop. And then did that for years. Worked in the shop for years. Taught lessons for years. And then... uh spot opened up behind and there we go there's first podcast lesson number one put your phone on silent thank All you right. Rob Marinick. we're learning as we go here yes th- we will make mistakes here I might say some stuff that's not awesome but you know we're gonna try my best um, alright so eventually you uh, you know, Schaefer, that was awesome that Schaefer saw in you the potential with um, announcing and how comfortab- comfortable you were there. Eventually, it was like, um, 
you became full like Tampa Am, Tampa Pro. Yep, um, announced some Tampa Ams, announced some Tampa Pros. Uh, what happened with the I, one where you fell asleep? Oh, I'll get to that. Um, I announced the Tampa Pro first. The one, the year that uh, Bastion Salabonzi won it oh. was like the first year I announced Tampa Pro. Was I was flipping the pyramid. Oh yeah, like, low in mines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think I announced the Tampa Am before that. I can't remember who won that year. Um, but I definitely announced the Tampa Am after that. And so that was uh, me and Chris Casey. If you remember oh, the Captain yeah. and Casey show from Fuel TV. Um, I was announcing with Chris Casey. Schaefer would jump on the mic every now and then. It was when Schaefer and Ryan first started to get super busy with the actual like work of the contest, work of yeah. the contest where it got super big. Yep. And uh, so they were kind of periodically jumping in and announcing a heat or two here and there. It, but it was mainly me and Chris Casey. Tampa Am. It was the year uh, Cody McIntyre won it with the perfect like when yep. the, the, the first like a true nobody came and showed up and won the contest. Yeah. Like that was first when that first started to happen because before that it was all like you knew the established dudes that were going to win like it was Caswell mm-hmm. Barry it was Spanky yep. like you know it was it was known dudes that were winning the AM at that time and then Cody McIntyre just came out and like what yeah, he oh, came fuck. with that Nolly Big Spin Nolly Big Spins like for days yeah. but uh so yeah um came down to finals on Sunday Obviously, you know, Tampa Am is a huge party weekend. Uh, so, Friday I went out, raged it all night. Still announced the contest on Saturday, but was feeling kind of like, got, I legitimately got sick. Mm. Like, like, you know, just like the out in the cold, cold, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the, yeah. like the, the, the baby flu, just like the scratchy throat, like, you know alcohol and lack of sleep and too many bro hugs and handshakes just like germy like germy sickness I got sick yeah. it was my fault it happened I got sick um made the choice to go out again on Saturday and was like I just need to make an appearance like it was when I was still trying to lie I was like I gotta establish myself I need to go outside I need to go out I gotta be out and be seen I gotta be wearing a crazy outfit. I gotta like make sure everybody knows that I'm the dude and I'm here and I'm Tampa. <laughs> so I went out and I did not rage all night that night, but I did go out. Um, and come Sunday, I was even sicker. I was sick. My voice was almost gone. Um, I, you know, partied myself sick. And Sunday, middle of the semifinals, I fall asleep. Fell asleep in the middle of a kid's run while I'm announcing. Chris Casey is there. He's announced he's announcing, so it's not like it was just dead air. There was still one dude talking about skateboarding. Uh Ryan happened to walk up at the time to wow. be on the stage for like his, you know, half hour on. Happened to walk up and just I was there just holding a mic and snoozing. Got a big slap on the back of the fucking neck. <laughs> He's like, are you fucking serious? You're asleep? You're asleep? And I'm like, dude, I'm sick. I don't feel good. And he's like, yeah, no problem shutting down the fucking bar last night. I'm like, I didn't. I left early. (laughs) He's like, you've been partying all fucking weekend, dude. And I'm like, I'm sick. And he's like, 
you weren't too sick to fucking party. Like, and wow. really laid yeah, into me yeah. right there in front of everybody. I was super embarrassed. But he didn't fire me on the spot. I still finished out the contest. Um, and not much was said after that. Huh. And then it got to Tampa Pro, and I was not announcing. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that was the year um, Zitzer was brought in. Oh, and okay. I think Schaefer and Zitzer announced or like a combination of Schaefer and Clements and Zitzer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Huh. That's when it became real, like, I mean, it was still a little raw back then, but it was... Like, it was starting to get more serious. It was starting to get more serious. Like, yeah, and, and stuff, but, yeah, a little, a lot less Clyde Singleton vibe and more... Yeah, like, they, were, they were trying to polish up the product, and I yeah. get that. Yeah, And I could have, I, I could have been a more polished person, mm-hmm. but, and I probably would have, you know, been able to, like you know, be a little better at announcing as far as like a cleaner perspective. Cause I was still pretty raw because of, I was just trying to be like Schaefer and Clyde Singleton. Yeah. And, uh, which, you know, it's fast forwarding to today. You've evolved into that professional level. You can keep it super pro. Like, um, we need to add something like an Adidas skate Copa or an all ages contest, like hot wheels, junior series, or it can be raw as fuck like Copenhagen open still. Copenhagen. I think you have both the, you know, you can travel that whole spectrum. But, uh, yeah, moral of the story, I fell asleep announcing Tampa Am, and I was kind of done at the skate park as far as announcing. I was still working there because I was still working in the office, and uh, I think I was still announcing Dam Ams at the time. Oh, yeah. I was announcing Dam Ams. Yeah. Going on those trips, going out to Volcom in L.A. Uh, it was when we did, it was when we were still doing it at Third Layer. Mm-hmm. There was only two at the time. Yep. Uh, the East Coast and the West Coast or whatever. And, uh, like, and once again, like, they had, nothing had been mentioned. I had not been relieved of my duties. I had not been officially told I was let go. But all the planning for third layer happened. And I just got crickets and I just did nothing and nobody told me anything. And... It was actually like getting like maybe three weeks away, and I actually came into your office, Rob, and I was like, "Hey, Rob, uh, what, what's what's going on with with Damn What's going on with Minnesota? I don't have a plane ticket yet. I usually have one by now." And you just kind of just like eyes got real big and was just like, "I think you should call Schaefer," <laughs> yeah. and I was just like, "Oh, okay." So I emailed Schaefer because he was he was in, he was actually in Copenhagen at the time. Oh, okay. In Denmark. I, did yeah. he go out there like build a skate park at one point? I think so. Because he was yeah, out there yeah. for a while, I remember. Yeah, this is way before Copenhagen Pro and Copenhagen Open got going, right? Yeah, well, it was when they did the Copenhagen contest there, but it was just the stuff at the skate park. It was just the contest at the skate park. Okay, yeah, maybe he was going out there early for yeah. building and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, he was out there for a long time. So I emailed him and I'm like, Brian, like, what's what's going on, man? Like, What's going on with Dayman? Like I, I'm ready to go. Like I'm psyched to be there. And he's, just, and I just get this email, just like, "Sorry, dude, we got it handled. You're not in." And I'm just like, oh, "Okay, well, you, like, why did I have to like find you to get this info?" Yeah. And he's just like, "Oh, well, you know, like I've been I've been out here in Copenhagen." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you, you, like 
I emailed yeah. you to ask what was going on. You could have emailed me. Like we, like wh- like why can't I be just communicated with? Yeah. Like you couldn't tell me I was fired. Like <laughs> it's fine. Like you like he told me they didn't have the. He told me there wasn't money in the budget to bring another announcer because him and Ryan were gonna handle announcing duties. But they also flew in Clyde. Yeah. So yeah. I was I was real butthurt for it for a while, but it, it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think Vern started announcing him too, so I was like super lame to Vern for a while because I felt like he took my job. Uh, yeah, and I even yeah. like said something to him one time, but I was just like young and dumb and just like it wasn't Vern's fault. Like I was, I was like, damn Vern, you took my job. He's like, I didn't take your job, I took a job. And I'm just like, fuck, uh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, that shut me up really quick. Like, but, I, but the thing is, even after all this, I still worked at the skate park. Mm-hmm. I was still in the skate park 40 hours a week. Like, I still, like, didn't work for Dam Am, wasn't announcing Tampa Am. I still wanted to be an announcer. I was still announcing all ages contests. I was announcing pro demos, but I just got restricted from the main, the, the, yeah. the big stuff, you know? Yeah. So, you know, falling asleep on the job kind of might set that in motion. And then I got, and and then I got real butthurt when George fell asleep at his desk and a photo was taken of him and a big joke was made about it. Company wide made a joke. Skateparkatampa.com. It was just like the big joke. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I was like, this motherfucker falls asleep and gets praised for it and gets an ad. (laughs) I was like, But, hey, we're all working together now. It's all good. Yeah. Everything happens for the reason it happened. And so basically, after all of that happened, and I felt like the skate park had given up on me, I kind of gave up on the skate park and Mm -hmm. uh, wanted, was kind of starting to get some steam with what I was doing with Shaquifa, which will be a future episode to talk about that whole beast, because we definitely need some time to talk about Shaquifa. And uh, I seriously was just like, all right, hey, Ryan, I'm going to make an effort to, like, try to make Shaquifa into something. Can I just work in the snack bar a couple days a week? And, like, I'll manage the snack bar. I'll be the guy that goes to Sam's Club and buys all the shit. But, like, can I just work in the the snack bar, like, two or three days a week just so I can still work here with the crew because I love you guys and I want to work here forever. Mm -hmm. But I want to see where these ass cheeks are going to take me. Yeah. And Ryan has always said, we want you to be happy. Tell me what will make you happy. And if we can do it, it's going to be done. Like, you're in the family. You will always be a part of what we do. You will always be a part of this scene. Like, you want to work in the snack bar? You work in the snack bar. So I started working in the snack bar because it was the lowest job I could take to still. Full uh, Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. Yeah. When he wins the huge settlement, has money, and then goes to work, drive through at the burger spot just so he can say fuck you to everybody. <laughs> like, that's pretty much what I wanted to do in the snack bar. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I couldn't even keep that job. I got fired from that. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Damn. Well, I mean, not specifically fired because I sucked at working in the snack bar. But it was at the time when I was living in the Shaquifa Mansion. And I was just like partying. I was partying a lot. Like 
like every night just because it was like it was the skate house where everybody lived you know we had i had seven or eight roommates so it was just always a party and so i worked you know saturday and sunday and that's when we partied so i was rough in the snack bar and showed up to the snack bar with two black eyes and a flat and and a broken nose one time like damn and just parents are just like whoa what happened to you like it all happened, yeah. So wow. my efforts towards my work and my attitude towards my work definitely just completely went away. Was treating it like this is what I absolutely have to do and I fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tired of making these pizzas. Even though it, it wasn't a bad job because he never demoted my pay. I still got paid like I was like doing the important jobs in the offices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... So I was, you know, I was getting paid like 10 bucks an hour to work in the snack bar, which in 2004, 2005 or whatever, like wasn't terrible when I was living with eight people and my rent was only 150 bucks a month. Like it's, it's great. Like it's the greatest. Like I only have to go to work three days a week and like party with my Mm -hmm. friends and skate and like do whatever. Cool. I'm in. And like my effort towards that even got so low that, that like I got written up (laughs) Sounds so stupid now. (laughs) Like, I got written up for, like, being late to work at the snack bar. And, like, I was the manager of the snack bar, so I would kind of, like, you know, fix my schedule a couple times accordingly when I felt like, like, I needed to get out of there early to go do something. So I'd be like, hey, kid, like, I know it says on the schedule you're supposed to be there at 2.30, but I need you to come in at 1.30 tomorrow. (laughs) And did that, I guess, a couple too many times. Got comfortable just, like being a shitty worker my passion for like anything involved at the skate park was gone and ryan fired me and it was a mercy kill and yeah it, it was straight up like you know i feel bad for him for for having to do it because he looked out for me for so long and then he had to let me go and his words were just like you will always be a part of what's going on here we always want you to be here we just can't have you in a full-time capacity anymore because you don't want to be here in a full-time capacity or a part-time capacity. Like, we'll call you for Tampa Am, we'll call you for Tampa Pro, we'll call you for demos. You're the announcer of the All Ages contests. You're the announcer of contests. Like, you're the dude here. Like, we'll always find a way to fucking get you some money when we can. But for now, you gotta go find something else to do. Yeah. And I was just like, geez, okay. All right. And uh, I that was the beginning of a very interesting couple years on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, man, so from there, you know, with Ryan and I still working at the park, um, eventually there's the the big split up, and um, you know, with Ryan and I parting ways from there, also could probably be a whole nother you know episode or whatever that's a whole story unto its own but anyway from there the border started ryan and i weren't really sure what it was really going to turn into other than yeah we're going to do some contests because that's that's all we that's all we know you know well, maybe a little uh, retail too before we move forward i want to take a second you, you, like i i mentioned i had a weird resume mm-hmm. i just want to rattle off some jobs i did real quick <laughs> i've delivered pizza chinese food flowers and people People. People. Uber. Oh, yeah. Taxi. I thought you were going to say you delivered Chinese people. No, 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 no. Chinese food. <laughs> That's trafficking. By yes. Way. No. Did not do that. 
Um, I worked at the carnival for two months. I was tra- I was a oh, traveling yeah. carny for two months. I saw you at the booth one time. That's right, Florida State Fair. <laughs> yep. Um, what else did I do? I scrapped metal. Wow. I was a metal scrapper for a while, just walking around looking for metal things to recycle. Um, f- like fully like a crackhead. Like it was pretty awesome though. I, I had fun with it. Um, what else did I do? Oh yeah, I, I sold stickers on eBay. Oh yeah, I paid rent. I paid rent for two months of my life unemployed, strictly through skate stickers. Wow, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I I actually had some valuable stickers that I did not know about that have just been in shoeboxes. I still have a pretty impressive sticker collection. Yeah, I've seen. And I'm always adding to it, but at the time it was time to sell, and uh, I yeah, that's did did what I had to do. Found eBay, and eBay saved me for a while. Uh, I was I was living with my uh, at then she was a non-serious dating partner and uh, fast forward 10 years she is now my fiance so oh, I was living with her 10 years it only took 10 years and uh, the day I told her I got let go from the skate park she's like so what do you want to do what, what what do you need from me and I'm just like I don't know what I need from you I don't even know if you're my girlfriend like She's like, you idiot, you live with me. Like, you're like <laughs> I'm your girlfriend. Like, what can we do? Like, what what do you need help with? I got you. Like, do you need to live here? I'm just like, well, yeah, that could probably help. So I moved in with her and she paid the bills, man, for like a year. Like she paid the rent, she paid the bills. She was a manager at a grocery store, so she made pretty good money. Um Damn, and held it down. She took care of me. I got EBT, got food stamps. <laughs> So like once a month we had steak and crab legs and that was like my contribution to the relationship was like steak and crab legs once a month. Um, yeah, I would just like help people move for money. Like people knew I was just like the odd job guy. People knew that I was the guy that would come and take all your stuff and make, make some money for myself off it. So like people just hit me up and like, I'm moving, come get this three boxes of crap. Like you still do that to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I just happened to me the other day. I had a homie hit me up and was like, "Hey, I'm I'm moving. Like, you want a bunch of old T-shirts?" And I'm like, "Hell yes, Shaquifa, let's go!" Nice. Like, and dude, I went over and he gave me like two pairs of old Nikes that I sold on eBay, a bunch of like soccer stuff that I sold on eBay, and then a bunch of shirts that I turned into Shaquifa. So I just like figured out like figured out how to make money without a job, and figured out how to hustle, and like figured out like like all the things that skaters have figured out how to do over the years to make money while being broke. Like, yeah, those small hustles add just up. Just like, man. yeah, and yeah. I still have some of those small hustles going on today and they'll be yeah. paying for my wedding. Awesome. Nice. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, so through all that, uh, interesting resume. Um, sometime along there, we, uh, Ryan and I, Oh, and I delivered sandwiches for Jimmy John's on bicycle. Oh, yeah. To like half the skate. Yeah, like in Tampa there, was, there, was one, there was two different Jimmy John's locations in Tampa that would hire skaters off the strength of two skaters that they had previously hired. Like these two skaters yeah. came in and were just like in pretty good shape and could ride a bike and work circles over around these dudes. And, yeah. and after that, this manager was like, I will always hire a skater. Yeah. So there was a time it was like me, Robbie Kirkland, Jason Durbin, uh, this other dude, Daryl. And it was just like a crew of like five or six skaters that all worked at Jimmy John's delivering sandwiches on bicycle in Ebor. Dude, yeah. It was like a skate shop that made sandwiches. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so sorry. Resume over. Moving yep. forward. Uh, the big breakup, the border kicks in. Ryan and I figure we'll do some events and see how this goes. I was in the middle of like, am I going to have to get a job if this doesn't work? Whatever. And then things started to come together fairly quickly. And then uh, Ryan came back around to approaching you to... Yeah, uh, when uh, the border started, I well, first off, I was in shock and absolutely in disbelief and could not even believe that Ryan got fired from Skate Park of Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, that just like shocked my world. Everybody. Shocked yeah. everybody's world. Because yeah. um, I, I like, obviously, I, I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> like, <laughs> I saw it, like, because we have the floor, uh, we have the, FCC. we have the former spot employee club Facebook group where all the former employees of Skate Park of Tampa hang out in a Facebook group and I just woke up one morning and somebody had added Ryan Clements and I was just like wait what? what joke is this? I was like it's not April Fool's what is going on? like this is something they could get away with on on April Fool's like it's not like what is happening so I call Ryan and he's like yeah it's true man and I'm just like well alright good luck like and the border hadn't even been thought about yet yeah. like yeah. like all I knew was that like my two dads split up. Like, yeah. like the Sierra Fellers had the funniest comment I've heard about that. He's just like, I didn't know what to think. Besides, uh, yeah, two Christmases. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn, dude. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's one way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> like what the hell? Like, yeah, and uh, I was living in Ebor at the time. Um, all my like. All these weird jobs have kind of come up serendipitously, like when I didn't have one. Like I got my first job delivering pizza, like three days after my four hundred one k check ran out from the skate park in Tampa. Like the first thing I did when I got let go was was cashed Pulled out my four hundred one k. Got so like you've a, already retired like years ago. I got a check for I got a check for six thousand dollars, and I was telling people that I was retired. Yeah, and wow. with the, and uh, oh, another resume item: stand up comedy. Oh, I never yeah. got paid for it, but I did it for a couple of years. I've been, I've been um, to one. Yeah. I actually did a, a whole bit about my my employment life while doing stand up comedy, and the joke was like, "Yeah, I got tired of telling people I was unemployed, so I just started telling people I was retired." Like completely, like it's the same situation. You don't have a job, but it's a completely different spin on the situation. Like, <laughs> like unemployment, you're like trying to work. I'm retired. I'm not looking for a job. I have six grand. I'm going to make that. I was convinced in my brain that I was going to turn this six grand into enough money to like last. last. <laughs> like I was like, I'm retired. This is it. I was like, I'll do my side hustles, but I'm going to do everything I can to never work for anyone again. And that was my goal was to not answer to anyone. That was my goal in life was to not answer to anybody. Mm-hmm. Make my own money. However, by any means possible, scrapping eBay, selling whatever I had to sell like didn't matter I was not going to have a boss and that was my goal and it worked for a while (laughs) but like uh, yeah as soon as my like dropped my last $200 I was like uh, I got it like because you know you're watching your checking account slowly and you're like all right, I got 35 left I'm good I got 3,000 left I'm still good go on a trip go on a road trip come back Still got twenty two hundred, killing it. Like I'm good. Couple couple good trips to the casino, and I'll have that six pack. No worries. Took my last two hundred dollars to the casino and lost it. Oh man, 
And then two days later, a homie hits me up and says, hey, you looking for a job, right? And I almost said, nah, I'm retired. <laughs> but I was like, what do you got? And he's like, you want to deliver pizza? And I was like, damn right I do. Like, let's go. So I started delivering pizza and uh, did that for years. And then it was funny because the two days after I got let go from Jimmy John's is when Ryan called me to do Grind for Life. Uh-huh. So like all my jobs, I've never... That was Lakeland, right? The first one we ever yes. did. And, and I feel like, like, like I've never had a job interview. I've never gone to a job interview. I always talk about my resume, but I've never actually had to make one. Yeah. I've filled out one job application in my life to Jimmy John's. And the dude was like, because it was a corporation. Yeah. Because it was Formality. corporate. You had to. Mm-hmm. Like the Chinese place I worked at, like yeah. the girl didn't even know my name for two months. Like, because I got the job from a friend and she would just look at me and hold up a bag and say, here, you know this house? So I'm like, yeah, I know that house. Like, let's go. And then same like any delivery job I had was just like off a recommendation from a friend and I walked in for my first shift and met the manager on my first shift. Hmm. So like I don't even know like what a job at what a like job interview. I don't even know how that goes. I don't even know what it, like <laughs> like I've seen them on TV but like <laughs> I'm completely uh, unfamiliar with the situation. So uh I was living in Ebor and um so Ryan as at Ryan also the ultimate side hustler owns 10 properties in Ybor City um, that he brands as rental properties. And uh, within like a short amount of time, he had started the border, got a jo- got some jobs for the border, and then moved the border into one of the rental houses. So the rental house was two blocks from my house. So I would just show up there and knock on the door and just say hi. And I knew they had a fridge full of Drinks, yeah, Red Bulls, Red Bull, and, and bottled waters, and like free promo beverages. Ryan has accumulated over the years. I knew that refrigerator was always full, so I would just go knock on the door. They would open it, and I would just walk in and hang out, go get a drink, and sit down and ask them what the hell was going on and what we were working on. And uh, and I would always say, "We, like, what are we working on? What are we doing?" Like, and. Eventually, Ryan was just like, actually, we're working on taking over Grind for Life, and you are going to be the announcer. Are you in? And I'm just like, of course, I'm in. So announced the Grind for Life, announced a couple more Grind for Lifes, and then uh, Adidas Skate Copa came up, and there was the stop in Atlanta. You guys had already done a stop in Texas, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so the Atlanta stop came up, and since that's like close enough to drive, obviously, like Ryan knows how to... like cut the costs and cut the expenses yeah, yeah. and keep everything cost effective, you know, for the company. And, uh, so obviously, uh, this unemployed guy over here is probably gonna be the cheapest way to get an announcer <laughs> to this contest. So that was my first like bigger job back in the door was the Adidas skate Copa contest. And I had a really good time there. It was my first time, uh, working with Tim O'Connor. Um, oh, yeah, it was you and Tim. It was me and Tim on the mic and we immediately clicked and just kind of started feeding off each other because he's got a real twisted sense of humor and uh, uncanny knowledge of pop culture and just anything you want to like. We could both just talk for hours about like this, you know, a, a set of bearings. Like we, me and Tim could talk for hours about it. And so we did that. We did the Skate Copa in Atlanta. Um, 
there was a guy that worked for Adidas at the time named Jesse, and he was like kind of the one of the higher one of the higher ups yep. that was kind of like in charge of like overseeing Skate Copa. And we had never met before. And after uh, after like the qualifying rounds, like me and Tim were like, you know, because we make like you know little blue humor some blue you know uh it's a little below the belt humor like maybe some maybe borderline inappropriate but like kind of dancing on the line of appropriateness and uh after the qualifiers jesse pulls me and tim aside and he goes i love what you guys are doing can you turn it up a little bit can you make it a little more raw and i'm like really like because i can like i can (laughs) Like, like you want f bombs? Like, what do you like? What do you mean? Like, and he's like, like, like this is gonna sound terrible, but just like you know, like low key funny racism. Like, uh, like just make fun of these people, man. Like, really fucking give it go to them. Right up to like the go line. right up, right up to, to like 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 dude, just turn it up just a little bit. I'll tell you if you cross. I'll tell you if you need to stop. <laughs> and me and Tim are just like, fuck, okay. And so we really turned it up for the finals and had a had a great time. Um, get home and go back to my life, like of being unemployed and trying to figure out ways to make money. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, Ryan calls me and he's just like, "Hey, you made a really good impression on these Adidas dudes. We just had a conference call with them, and Jesse wanted to know why you were not on the call." And our entire staff just erupted in laughter and Jesse didn't know why. And Ryan had to like explain to him like my role in the company and that I didn't actually even work here and that I don't come to the office and like, I'm just like this guy that they have that can announce. And Jesse was like, cool. I love him. I want him at everyone. And that's where it all started. So the next stop was Chicago, then New York, and then the finals at the barracks that's when we all got to wear suits and like announce a contest, yeah. and I got to really like flex some like announcing like style as far as like like because like we had that thing really like, like some wrestling flair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I always try to like you know pull in like like wrestling themed announcing, boxing themed announcing, like try to really make it sound like like some let's get ready to rumble type shit. Like, yeah. Um, I actually had to ask them to edit out where I said that at the original Skate Copa because I remembered that. Uh, Bruce Buffer actually has that uh, tagline copyrighted. Uh, And so you can get in big trouble if you're at a professional sporting event and and you you say, let's get ready to rumble. Like, that's his. You can't use it. Like, and people have gotten sued over it. He's sued people over it. So uh, I was just like, oh my God. Like, I thought in my mind, I was like, I fucked up. I'm going to fuck up the video. I said, let's get ready to rumble. What the fuck? They're never going to have me back. Like, and then, and Jesse was just like, you're fucking great. You look great in that suit. Like, like this is awesome and it was a real like it was like a production like the contest like had some like real production value like some it had some like NBA all-star game type feel with like strobe lights on the teams and like Mm -hmm. like intro music for the squads and like we had like full on like written intros for the for the for the shops that contest series was the best Uh, it's one of my favorites we've done yeah Adidas um where you're wherever you guys are at let's go ahead and uh Put bring in, that back. bring that back. Yeah. Skate Copa, where are we? Dude, it had like, all the best elements, man, involving all the shops and yeah. the local crews and stuff. And like, like you guys, yeah. Adidas used it to like roll out their uh, ABV boost, like technology yeah. on their shoes. 
So yeah. I mean, it was it was just a it, like I felt like the, the whole contest was a success all around yeah. for the first two. Like we did it for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually kind of like low key like discovered some like talent through those yeah, that like yeah. that were kind of no names at the time. And then like I'm not gonna say this contest was responsible for elevating them, but definitely put those dudes on our radar. Like dudes like Tanner Van Vark. Like showing up out of Minnesota. Yep. Um, First time we ever saw, I ever saw Frankie Villani. I was, I was, like, I was gonna say that Frankie. I was like, who the it complies into stuff like once, that. once again, gravitating me towards the chubby kids. <laughs> like I just like want a whole company with Jamie Foy and like Frankie oh, Villani yeah. and just like chubby kids skateboards. Like get back Chris Swanson if you guys <laughs> remember who that is. Get Stu Graham. Like just yep. the fattest, like gnarliest skateboard like chubby dude skateboards like even former ones like Andrew Cannon he was dude he, he got real fat for a, a second bit, but hey lost it all shout out to Andrew Cannon I announced his damn man victory oh yeah I, one of the that first one of the layer. first damn man contests at third layer yep. I also bought him his first sip of alcohol um, oh really I looking back that might be a bad thing because he turned into an alcoholic right I don't know nah I don't know, but sure. he's clean now. Yeah, totally. Sober yeah. living. Yeah. He was bad for a moment. I do know that he was bad for a yeah. second. Andrew, I love you. I'm sorry I did that to you. <laughs> you were a nice, clean little kid from the suburbs of Pennsylvania when we met. And uh, it got real gnarly there for a second. But shout out to Andrew Cannon. Maybe yeah. we'll do an episode with him in the future. Who knows? <laughs> we can do a whole episode about his damn and victory in 2002. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that one well. Um, so pretty much fast forwarded to today, you're full time on staff at the board. Uh, yes, I'm full time. This year was the first year I committed to Ryan to be in the office Monday through Friday, nine to five. Um, I always tried to like my style is trying to do the most with the least. So I would always try to be in here like at first. So it first started like I would be doing more and more events with you guys where it was a point where I was on the road with you guys for like like it got to the point where I just had to hit up Ryan and be like hey I can't afford to be on the road for two and a half weeks and only get paid for one day as a contract as a I can't like it just doesn't work like I'm on the road for two and a half weeks to work for for two and a half days and get paid a day rate for that like I can't yeah and he's like all right like I get it so like he started like Ryan throughout my entire life has always tried his best to take care of me. I give him all the credit in the world for that. Like he's always had my back. He's always told me that he would always do everything he can to keep me happy. Um, he knows how my brain works and he knows like the, the things I value in life over other things. And he really like, just like fine tuned his managerial style to get the most out of his dudes because he used to be a real abrasive manager and like not the funnest dude to work for. And he, he severely checked himself and be, and and became one of the most respected dudes in, yeah. in my life and the skateboarding industry. And uh, just like, yeah, thank you to Ryan for, for pulling me out of the depths. Um, I will work, I, I did say I did not ever want to work for one man, but I will work for that man in any capacity for as long as he will have me. Um, me too. I feel the same way with how he, I can, he's gotten so good at adjusting his management style based on the person yes. that he's working with. He knows how to get the most he, out of he me. He adjusts it for me, he yeah. adjusts it for you, and he adjusts it for someone that's like, whether they're 
someone who is like a very organized and scheduled and detailed person or someone who's like a little like well, I would say you and me are more like on the flaky side and not yeah. structured and, yeah 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 you know, I, and he can adjust to that and yeah we, and, over and, the years we've all learned to like have people how to, in the places that they do the best yeah like and uh, uh you know even even to this to this day sometimes Clemens will have to hit me up on the side and be like hey just remember this is not Rob's strong point yeah, like yeah. you have to, you have to make the reminder. He he's not going to do it. You make the yeah. reminder. You hit him up on Monday. You hit him up on Wednesday to follow yep. up. You hit him up on Friday to follow up until it's done. Like that's he's like, I've tried so hard to get Rob to do it the way I do it over the years, and I'm done. Like I've tried I'm, to. I'm in. I can't. He's he's like he's like, I just he's like I've given up, and I'm going to work with Rob in the capacity that he works the strongest, and I've figured out how. To use what I know to get the most out of Rob, and he's really good at doing that with every single person he works with. Yeah, it's one of the qualities of a, of a great manager. And well, that's and, why and this place when when he wants when Ryan wants to get better at something, he buys five books on it and reads yeah. how to get better. Like yeah. right now, like like every like I'm kind of Ryan's like like personal assistant, like not really, but kind of mm-hmm. like I do stuff for him in when I'm in the office, and probably once every two or three months. I, he sends me a link to a book that I need to order for him and it's all like self-improvement self like mm-hmm. like uh, he just I just ordered this book uh, about an agent like the super agent like one of the oh, biggest yeah. agents in sports that the agent that was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire and just like that's what he's reading right now how to how to get the most out of your clients how to get the most out of your relationships with the with the sponsors, how to get the most out of every relationship you have, and that's what he does. Like, if he wants to know something about it, if he wants to know something about something, he goes and finds the books that are going to give him the knowledge, and like, he does it. Like, I feel like Ryan could, in six months, pass the bar exam to be a lawyer if he wanted to. Yeah, because he would yeah, read every single book on law. He the the dedication is there for him to do the goal he wants. Like, look at the weight loss thing he's doing right now. Yeah, it was now, huh? stupid. Yeah. Like. It's not stupid, but the, the bet was Ryan had to get down to like a hundred and what was it, fifty five pounds? Yeah, and George. It was had like to, it was like fifteen or twenty pounds. George had to learn pivot fakies, something he's never done. George did the pivot fakie. Clemens got down to the weight like halfway through the bet and kept going, and, and now he's like enjoying it, and now he's like down to like one hundred and forty five pounds. And I'm like, what the? F-? Like Clemens, settle down, dude. Eat a steak. <laughs> eat some. Eat some fried food. Well, I've like, seen those those Sundays he makes though. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And we'll, um, and and obviously we'll get Ryan on here to drop some oh, yeah. some knowledge on you guys at some point or at many points. I'll be talking to him in depth. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Going these, going back to the work. Um, yeah. uh, so I was doing the contracting, um, and then maybe three years ago, I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna. I, I I made up this thing for myself, and it was. I called it Full Time Tuesday. So on Tuesdays, I would just show up to the office at whatever time I wanted, and pretend like I worked here <laughs> for however long I wanted to. Sometimes it would be an hour. Sometimes it'd be three hours. Sometimes it'd be four hours. You know. And I just called it Full Time Tuesdays, and people would just be like, "But it's not full time." Like, and I'm like, "Yeah, I know. It's full time on a Tuesday." Like. Like, I'll be here on Tuesdays. If you guys need stuff from me on Tuesdays, let me know. I'm here on Tuesdays. And I decided to do it. It wasn't something that Clemens decided to pay me for. 
like I just started showing up and I would just like when we were doing retail I would like organize the board wall because you know Justin was doing other stuff and I would just like do whatever like it didn't even matter and it got to the point where Ryan actually started scheduling like company meetings Meetings on Tuesdays so I could be there and be involved in the meetings and then like he would hit me up on Monday and be like yo full time Tuesday going down tomorrow and I'm just like every Tuesday baby I'll be there and so he actually started scheduling meetings on Tuesdays for like Grind for Life and stuff like that so I could be there for board, like Border Am, yep. just so I could be there for the meetings so I could be better at announcing and hearing all this stuff beforehand. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I still wasn't like lifting a finger here at headquarters. Like I was still wasn't doing anything that could be considered work. <laughs> yeah. But like I called it full-time Tuesdays and I come and I would hang out and I would skate and do whatever. So after that, uh, we had our boy Sammy G working for us for a little bit. Yeah. And so he started working full time, like internship style, just like Ryan gave him a full time job. And, and I was just like, damn, man, like I've been calling this shit full time Tuesday in, in hopes that it would turn into something. I didn't want to like be over eager and be like, give me a job. Because I didn't think there was a job. Because I didn't think there was a job. Like, cause it was still, the border was still very young. Like I didn't like, like I didn't know like how the border was doing as a business or a company, but on the outside, it just looked like, you know, maybe there will be something for me in the future, but it doesn't look like there is right now. Cause every single job that I could think of that was being done was filled. And like, so I was just like, I, and then people would be like, but are you going to work there full time? And I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe, but like I work there. That's what I work for. Like I'm a, I was a, uh, exclusive independent contractor. <laughs> and then, um, finally Sammy G got let go. Like one day I showed up and, uh, Clemens comes out and he's like, Hey, full-time Tuesday, you want it to be like a full-time job? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, are you getting rid of the guy that sits there? And he's like, I am. I'm like, all right, I'm your guy. Let's go. And he was like, okay. He's like, I don't, and I'm just like, do you really need me Monday through Friday? Like, is it that much work that you need me Monday through Friday? And I'm just, and uh, I was like. It started with Monday it started it started Thursday, right? No, it started, I would do Monday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Was a, for a year, I did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then the next year, I was like, Hey, I need Wednesdays off because Wednesday is half price day at the thrift store. Yep. That's when I get the best stuff for Shaquifa. I get a lot of good vintage stuff that I sell on eBay on Wednesdays. I was like, I need to be in the thrift stores on Wednesday. And he's like, all right, well, we already do all these meetings on Wednesdays. Like, they start at 1 o'clock. And I'm like, all right, well, can I come in at 1 o'clock? I'll go to the thrift store in the morning and then get here. He's like, yep. And I was like, and I'll give you Thursday. <laughs> so three days a week for the, for a year. The next year was three and a half days a week. So it was Monday, Tuesday, half day Wednesday, and Thursday. And then finally this year, like when I was negotiating, uh, when we were just like talking about raise, raises and the end of the year wrap up and what we needed to do for 2020, he was just like, hey, listen, it's time. Like, it's time. We need you here Monday through Friday. 
It's just it is what it is, and not full time Tuesdays anymore. Like it's, it's a full time job. I need you here full time. We like we have business. We need you here. It's not a, like basically like it's not a fucking game anymore. Like, yeah. are you ready to have a job? And I'm just like, all right, Ryan, I'll work Welcome for you. Welcome to adulthood. Okay. <laughs> and you know, shit. I'm thirty. Wait, how old am I? Am I thirty seven now? I'm thirty six or thirty seven, I think. But uh, yeah, I was like, all right, I'm, it's a good yeah. time to grow up, I guess. Yeah, I was like, all right, like I guess I can give up playing golf on Fridays, like, because <laughs> I yeah, like that's what I was doing on Fridays is playing golf. Like I love, I used to love being in the uh, border group chat when uh, somebody would talk shit to me about not working, and I'd just be like, hey, I'm on my way to the golf course. I need an extra. Can you leave what you're doing right now? <laughs> And, and, and join me at the golf course because I, I just left whatever I was doing to go play golf <laughs> and people would just be like oh okay because oh, I was like right. truly like right. like working three and a half days a week I was like I, I could like, I wasn't making the most money obviously but I'm not like needing the most money to get the things that I like in life because I've always had just kind of like a like as far, as far as like possession like I like possessions but like uh like, I was never, like, trying to find, like, the most expensive car or, like, the most expensive technology or, like, I was never, like, blowing money on, like, I don't know, stuff people blow money on. I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I, would, I never had an iPod. Like, yeah, just, yeah. like, I never had an iPod. Like, I never, like, yeah, had a laptop. I never, desires I, never had a, I never had a laptop computer until Ryan bought me one. Like, mm. um, you know, just, like, controlled my destiny. Like, I didn't have a lot of money, but I didn't answer to anybody. And not answering to anybody was the most important thing to me. So now I'm like, you know, in the stages of my life where I'll be starting a family soon. And, you know, money's, you know, a little bit more important. Yeah, gotta have a little cushion there. So I'll make some and we'll do that. Yeah. So we're all adults now working in this skateboard business and uh, hopefully dropping many more of these podcast episodes. And that is Scotty the Body in a nutshell right there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with more. Yeah, that's right. Once again, that was Rob Marinick. I'm Scotty the Body. This was the Border Podcast with Scotty Conley. Uh, hope you enjoyed this first trial run episode. Um, let me know what you think. Hit me up on Instagram. Tell me I suck. Tell me I got a face for radio. Uh, I don't care. because We're going to belt out some more of these and see if we can get some traction, see if we can get some... Uh, Get some fans and get some good pot out there. So, hope to talk to you guys again soon. But for now, uh, help control the pet population. Have your pet spayed or neutered. Good night.